welcome to Uncut Jewels, a podcast featuring some of my favorite musicians and the great work of their lives, changing the world one song at a time. I'm your host, Kristen Jewell, and I'm excited to share my crazy world with you. So let's get to it. Come on in. Hello, Americans. (laughs) It's election night. How exciting is this? I can't even believe it. We're here. Welcome to Uncut Jewels election night journey. We're all about America, the flag. I think it's big behind, but we're excited. Thank you for joining us. I know that there's a million conversations going on right now. Um, And, you know, we're grateful that you're here because we recognize the value of this night and day and what it's about. We've been talking about this for a while. So thank you. If Hopefully you all voted. Um, I know I did. Uh, walked up to Magic Castle and had a nice experience with the young woman who needed some help. And we did a little selfie together. It was very exciting. Uh, she couldn't believe I didn't work there. <laughs> so it was very funny. Um, but yeah, it was a really great little touch of humanity for our, our, our weekend and our week. Um, so hopefully you were out voting today representing what really matters, which is our, you know, the fact that we're here, we're Americans. So anyway, and if you guys aren't American and you're watching from other countries, which I know some of you are from Australia, hopefully. Hi, Hamish. Hi, Johannes. Um, thanks for joining us on this journey and trust that no matter what happens tomorrow, we're all in this together and we want things to be better. All of us want things to be better. In fact, there's a song we released that Jessica Childress was featured on for the Musicians for a Better America. We released a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do. It's a beautiful song, Musicians for a Better America. It's called M-F-A-B-A. And um, the song is called We Go High, and it was uh, inspired by our friend um, uh, Michelle Obama, who, you know, said that the last time we were voting four years ago. So anyway, so tonight we have a very special guest from D.C., so this is a timely little interlude. Um, His name is Elijah Balbun, and we're going to be welcoming him to the program in a minute. Uh, And before that, I just want to remind you, um, and next week, we're going to have CJ Ray and Nick Wendell come and talk with us about the making of Death Valley music video and the production that we did during um, the beginning of all of this crazy year and how we had to be very creative about our production experience. So uh, I'm excited for that. Please RSVP. We'll be sharing that link really soon. Um, So we'd love to have you back next week. But for now, we're going to have you welcome Elijah Balbot. Balbot. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Welcome. Hello. I'll fly my flag again. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So you're actually in D.C., Elijah. Yes, the nation's capital. Yeah. How's it been going today? How's the day been? I mean, has it been good or? (laughs) It's been pretty smooth. I voted early, so I didn't have to deal with that today. Um, But I I started by doing a gig uh, for Daybreaker at a polling place. So we performed outside of a polling place right here in D.C. while people went to vote. Um, Not polling, not, uh, you know, not playing for any particular person or candidate or anything, just there to support everybody that came out to vote. And what they were doing was really cool is they were giving people free burgers and free pizza uh, from Shake Shack and and pizza as they voted and even just to people who were walking by and driving by. So just a really cool community oriented thing. And then I played with a guy named Herb Scott put together a big band. Um, Herb is an activist and musician in town who leads the Capitol Hill Jazz Foundation. And we performed right at the front steps of the Supreme Court building tonight, which was really cool. Have you ever done that before? You know, I'm a Washington, D.C. native, grew up here, been living here almost my entire life and never did that before. That's incredible. (laughs) Congratulations. It was exciting. It was cool. That was great. How many people were, how many people were around you? Um, The band was about, I want to say 12 people strong and then an audience, you know, of probably 20 or 30 people actually gathered over, over the like half hour we played. Hmm. 
That's great. But I'm sure there were a lot of people running around <laughs> just mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Good for you. Good for you. What a monument, uh, a milestone to be able to play there, especially during these times. Yeah. Yeah. On this day. <laughs> on this day. Exactly. So when you did the polling, um, what was that? Do you remember the name of that organization that arranged for that? Yeah, it's called Pizza to the Polls. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Their motto is democracy is delicious. Oh, that's really great. Wow, I love that people are out there doing this. I know one of our artists, Jessica Childress, she did one the other day um, for a, um, a phone bank uh, that was doing, you know, encouraging people to vote. And I was like, this is so, it's just the grassroots initiatives are heartwarming, you know, just to see mm-hmm. everyone. It doesn't matter what party it is. It's just that you're exercising your right to vote. You know, I have a, a good friend, shout out John Popper, who taught me, if you don't exercise your right to do any of these things that we have in the amendments in the Constitution, we lose them. So rights to vote, you know, is, is a big one that not everybody gets. So it's good that everyone's being encouraged. Yeah, and it looks like more well, people are, are voting than ever. So that's great. That's what I heard too. So how's the sentiment been in DC so far? Has it been like, like, did you feel like today was like a pot, like a hopeful day or, you know, I know it's been a very interesting race so far. Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those tensions kind of lingering in the air, but I think, I think a lot of people were worried today was going to be like a more tense or maybe even a little island or or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. once we got out and we were playing music and seeing people just out and about, it felt, the energy felt great, and and we weren't that's concerned about anything. That's great. That's great. So you mentioned you're a DC native. Um, so obviously, uh, have you have you lived anywhere else, or is it just DC? I lived in New York for a few years. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and where in Manhattan? Or New York. Actually, I was in uh, the Flatbush area of Brooklyn first, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Jackson Heights, Queens. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah, just went up there to explore the jazz scene a bit. Um, yeah. I, I was able to play my saxophone until like four and five in the morning any given night, uh, <laughs> see some of my heroes who I've been listening to on records play at little you know, hole in the walls. So it was a really, really great few years. Um, but I just found myself more busy and having more work as a musician here in DC. In DC. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. I get that. I totally get it. Maybe can you talk a little bit about what was the next question I was going to ask you was what type of musicians or bands actually inspired you? Um, I mean, so one of the things we should tell you, obviously, Elijah. So I'm wearing this David Bowie t-shirt in his honor today. <laughs> And I will say, hopefully you guys noticed this when you were doing the thing, but he plays this amazing instrument, <laughs> um, which David Bowie played too. So that's exciting. Um, but so Elijah's, um, so do you want to talk about like your instrumentation and like what your preferred instrument is? And then maybe a little bit about just the, you know, the people who inspired you, whether they had anything to do with that instrument or just in general, or even jazz or not, you know, hip hop, whatever, funk. For sure. Well, my mother, I have to give all the credit to, uh, she went to Duke Ellington School for the Arts and was a percussionist there, but she played in the orchestra and hated it. So she quit music and never really looked back. But when I was growing growing up as a kid, she played just all kinds of great music from jazz to R&B to rock to reggae to hip hop. Just I heard I basically heard it all when I was growing up. And so I was exposed to great music at at a young age. And then in fourth grade, um, they offered uh, the the option to pick a a musical instrument and to start studying music. But I we couldn't afford at the time. Uh, Fifth grade, my mom was able to save up and instead of renting a saxophone, she actually went ahead and just bought me horn and oh. took a huge risk in in doing so. Um, and at first I didn't stuck with, stick with it. She um, had to kind of get on me to practice and I was a hard head, hard-headed about it. Um, but I had a pretty life-changing experience where I was waiting at the bus stop one morning and I left my saxophone at the bus stop. And she walked one way and I walked the other and neither of us had my horn. And for the next three weeks, I just had to basically sit through band band class without a saxophone. And one miraculous day, a homeless man walked up to me 
and handed me the same saxophone that I left at the bus stop and said, I believe this belongs to you and didn't ask for any money for it or anything. And the way my mom tells the story is that's the last day she had to tell me to keep practicing. <laughs> I, took, <laughs> I took it seriously after that. That's amazing. That's amazing. How did he find you? You know, I think he had just seen us around waiting at the bus stop and he must have been the one to pick up the sax when we left. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's again, it was a miracle that it was him and not somebody that would, would have taken it to the pawn shop or something. Sell it. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. That is amazing. And talk about humanity. It was meant to be for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost a lot of things along the way. <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's a big one to get back. I struggle with that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. Good for you. Thank wow, you. That's really good. Good. You know that I played French horn, right? We went to Nam together. <laughs> I th I'd forgotten that, but that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I had to carry that thing around. Oh, that's a big instrument. Yeah. <laughs> so I commend you. It's not easy, but I did, I did started that at fifth grade. And I remember my parents were not as readily convinced because I'd already gone through like guitar and piano and tap and ballet and all that stuff. And I was like, but I want to play the French horn. And they, my dad was like, you're very fickle. <laughs> it's a very expensive instrument. So I hyperventilated until I got one. And then I played it for eight years because I, I wanted to prove to everybody that I, you know, I wasn't fickle. <laughs> so. That's a nice stretch. Eight years is good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. It was, you know, but I love that stuff. I mean, I love classical instrument and I, I never really did the jazz thing. So that's why I'm so, I'm just, I spent so much time listening to music. Obviously I'd heard you live before I'd seen you live um, when we were in DC that night. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's such a, so he does a lot of live performances. Obviously this year has been a little different. Um, but maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the, the things you have, you usually do and what we hopefully will come back. But I, I, I think for me though, just keep in mind, like I, when I, we walk in, when you walk into a jazz place, there's just a sense of what you're about to experience. That's unlike any other club or show experience. I think you can have it's, it just has an air about it. And mm -hmm. that night when we walked in, I think it was very late and it was exactly what I expected. Just, just the quintessential excellent music, excellent musicianship, audience attentiveness, like everyone was in it, you know, it's just a magical moment. So, but maybe you could tell me where I was. I don't even know the name of the spot. Was that either 18th street lounge? Yeah, I think it was the one upstairs. Yeah. Upstairs. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So 18th street lounge, unfortunately is one of the many clubs that have closed down uh, during oh. COVID very sadly, it's been there for 20 years. So definitely kind of an establishment here in DC. Wow. And uh, the performance we did today at the Supreme Court was actually a part of a movement uh, called Save Our Stages or in DC, Save DC Venues, which is basically uh, just looking after a lot of the venues that are still around or some of the venues that are still around that have somehow managed to survive this long, but are definitely in danger with winter uh, fast approaching and the options of having like outdoor performances or street sidewalk concerts aren't as much of a thing. Mm. Mm. That's crazy. I can't believe that's gone. Mm. Yeah, well, sad. That's a magic moment that, yeah. Well, so, okay. So obviously you, you do other things too though. Bethesda, I know you have a residency, uh, artist in residence for Bethesda. You want to talk about that one? Well, yeah, I mean, during COVID, it's just been interesting figuring out what to do and how to survive. Um, at first, I did a lot of live stream performances, and I'm still doing those here and there, not as often as when COVID first broke out. Um, but yes, I do teach as well, and I'm doing residency at Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. in Bethesda, Maryland. And right now, my main role there is I'm a guest instructor with their youth orchestra. So I'm working with a few of the sax players privately and then also working with uh, the orchestra as a as a whole gotcha. and teaching ah. privately and teaching at a at a few other for a few other institutions around town. So teaching has definitely been, you know, another um, stream of stream of income with the lack of performances. 
Yeah, no, that's a good thing that people can do. And it actually is the perfect time because everybody's trying to learn something as well. So you probably have a lot of uh, new clients, new students. Handful, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, if you are, I guess if anybody's looking for to learn how to play sax remotely, you probably are the person to go to, huh? Yeah, I am, I am taking a few students, so feel free to reach out if you want to take some lessons, sax or jazz improvisation just in general. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Um, Can you tell me what was your first memory with music? This is a good one. My first memory um, playing music, at least, was one of those mini Honer harmonicas that you can it's like a, a, a keychain attachment almost, but it's tiny. And my mom bought me one of those before I had any, you know, interest, real interest in music. And apparently when I got a hold of this mini harmonica, I would compose little songs on it when I was like four years old or something. <laughs> so that was my very first memory playing any sort of instrument. Oh, so harmonica <laughs> and harp. <laughs> yeah, I didn't stick with it. But that's interesting. So do you think that that had anything to do with you learning, like liking the saxophone? Because, I mean, obviously there's a reed instrument. There's, I mean, I don't know what a harp is considered. It's, what is that considered actually? Yeah, I'm not even sure. Um, No, but I do think there was something similar there with the, you know, both being kind of melodic instruments and solo instruments. Um, When I had the choice to pick an instrument, it was between sax and trumpet. And both my mom and I kind of just leaned towards the saxophone. And I'm really glad that I didn't pick trumpet. <laughs> mm, I did. The, we, my sister played trumpet and I would pick hers up because a marching band, mellophone, is the trumpet fingering. Mm-hmm. So I learn how to play the trumpet as right. well. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that bad. I mean, you know, it's the sound. I like... I like, I love brass, but you know, it's a, there's a use for everything and it depends on, um, you know, like in the orchestration realm, I'm sure it's just, like I said, it envelops you. Some of these things envelop you in different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's cool. That's a good one. Little mini harmonica. Who knew? I like that. So now let's talk about, cause obviously you're here cause we, we were enchanted with you. First of all, congratulations on your recent win. Um, there's the, uh, the, the, DC Grand Prix, sorry, DC <laughs> Jazz Prix International Band Competition, and you won it. Your 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 piece for the Karma Suite and your performance with your with a, a band uh, of this suite, um, you won for that. So congratulations! Thanks so much. Yeah. What was that? So what is that? What's the DC Jazz? pre-international, DC Jazz pre-international band competition all about? Sure. It's a competition that the DC Jazz Festival put together. The DC Jazz Festival has been uh, been, uh, one of the biggest jazz festivals in the world, actually, for a long time now. And uh, it's just a really great festival that happens every year in DC that pulls together um, a lot of the headline, headlining world renowned jazz artists, but also puts a lot of the local musicians to work. Um, and a few years ago, they started an international band competition called the DC Jazz Prix. And I'd been kind of thinking about applying in past years and decided um, this piece of music that, that I'd composed and or have been composing over the last five years, uh, I decided that it was worth uh, auditioning and trying out for. It's a piece called the Karma Suite, um, or a collection of pieces rather, that I've written between 2015 and 2020, currently, Mm -hmm. um, about the way I'm feeling about the world, about some of the things that have been happening socially and politically, and just the way the tides have been turning in, in the world. Um, so some of the different songs have kind of specific um, uh, po- focus points. Like one song is called In Nature We Trust, uh, which is about the environment. One called one song is called Societal Regression, which at the time was the direction I saw society going, which I think it's kind of going a different direction now, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but we auditioned. We made it to the top 15. Um, And then we got notified that we would be performing live against four other bands who are chosen internationally uh, to compete. 
and we performed the suite in its entirety. And um, after an hour of deliberations, after we all performed live, uh, the announcement was made that we had won. Uh, we won the prize of $15,000, which was super exciting. And we also will be getting a headlining slot at next year's DC Jazz Festival. I, I just like literally, it, I was so happy for you that, that <laughs> happened. And I was like, please come on and talk about this. Cause this is, if you couldn't go to a better person who works, your work ethic is incredible. And, Thank you you. Know, and I listen, like I said, this, you have to go and listen to this, what he's released are two, two tracks so far. It's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Like you've just outdone yourself. I love it. And the fact that they gave you money and a slot. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and and I think you know one big reason we we were able to take the win was because it was such a relevant set. Um, each song is you know again about something that we're experiencing now. Uh, aside from just music, there's also some speech samples from uh, a few familiar voices who have been uh, influential to me, like Elijah Cummings and and John Lewis. Um, and some others. So it it didn't it, it wasn't just you know a group of songs that I wrote. It was a whole body of work with a message that's relevant to the time right now and especially today. That's amazing. I'm going to ask my team to play a little bit of the the video um, of you doing the performance um, in in DC because it's just I mean so we can see your setup and everything. Yeah. So this is this is what you won for. So do you want to tell me who's on the instruments with you? Yes, that's the EJB Quartet. So Mark G. Meadows on piano, Elliot Seppa on upright bass, and Kelton Norris on the drums. That's a great question. Um, hours of watching CNN and MSNBC. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? <sighs> That's amazing, really? I mean, sort of. It, it was definitely, this music was kind of a conjoining of my two worlds, which is, I mean, I'm very interested in politics and I've always kind of had a, an interest in politics, but especially over the last four years, I've just gotten uh, more, way more into it and done a lot more reading and a lot more studying and and watching and everything, um, but also just been inspired by certain politicians. That was the voice of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you just heard. Um, and she's one who has definitely inspired me with her just fierceful um, approach to politics and unwillingness to, to back down when she believes in something. Um, and then uh, with Elijah Cummings, as I was listening to his speeches, I noticed he had kind of a, a very musical, almost um, almost preacher-like way of speaking. And I was right pretty instantly, I was hearing kind of different uh, musical fill-ins to kind of like accompany his voice. And so he, uh, he was actually the first speech sample that I included into the music. And that's when I really kind of, I stumbled something that I realized that was going to be bigger than just music. It was going to be something that had a, you know, a political and social message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. It was really, it's just so powerful. And to, you know, I know you're obviously being politically oriented. I felt it. Like I felt <laughs> your message it's, and it's jazz, right? So it's not like it's based in lyrics. It's just, a, it's a way you, intonate you know like everything about it just felt like yeah i just i can't encourage people enough to listen to this it just really was uh thoughtful 
like extremely thoughtful. You could tell there was a lot that went into that. And, it, you know, and jazz, I think in general is it's, it's, it's funny because I think of it as predominantly improv, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're recording, you know, I, I've, I've never worked with a jazz artist, so I don't know how this works. So it's just like, it must be like the layering of the sounds and then you arrive at a certain sound. And so that's why I was like, I'm just kind of fascinated with how you chose someone whose words would uh, translate for you, you know? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a good point you made, like, especially my uh, jazz music has never had a vocalist in particular. So... Right. And I can't sing, so having these uh, these messages through, you know, passionate politicians. That um, if I, I always feel like if they move me the way they did, I'm sure they would move somebody else. And then adding the musical element, it's just like a whole cacophony of sound and consciousness that I'm really excited about. That's great. So speaking of sound, how in your mind has the sound, your sound? evolved over the years so this is obviously your you i know you're releasing this under your name you've done some band work before i think it's the the is it the jogo project for sure yeah yeah so um i've always in throughout my career i've always played a lot of different styles of music um i've always considered myself at heart you know a jet a jazz musician but um, these days in, you know, the 21st century, that means so much. Um, what the first band I played in was an Afrobeat band. Um, so, you know, you're just co- constantly doing different things as a musician and especially as a full-time freelance musician. Um, and when I was 21, I got the call to perform with the godfather of Gogo while he was still living, Chuck Brown. Nice. And Chuck Brown wrote Bustin' Loose, yeah. um, as well as Ashley's Roach Clip, which is a song that got sampled by over 300 hip-hop yeah. artists. Yeah, everybody. And so I got to play with this legend, uh, the godfather of Go-Go, before he passed away. And that was just a life-changing experience. Um, it taught me how to play in a horn section. Um, it taught me how to react to a crowd differently than you might at a jazz concert. And it was just a whole different thing. I mean, Go-Go is such a uniquely DC thing. Um, we would, I would show up and there would just be tons and tons of people in the audience just you know, ready to hear Chuck and so excited to party with the band. Um, and so uh, fast forward a year later, after I started playing with Chuck, he very sadly passed away. And so for the next couple of years, I continued to play with the Chuck Brown band, which I still do. Um, but I also wanted to start my own project, which is when the Jogo project was formed. In 2014, I did a residency at an institution uh, called Strathmore. And at first I was hesitant to present this music. Um, the the demographics in that part of town, it's also in Bethesda actually, um, it's mostly older white people. And, you know, Go-Go is a very um, black art form and, <laughs> yeah. and soulful. And um, it was an experience I wasn't sure that demographic might entirely be ready for. But I have to give props to Betty Scott, who runs the Artist of Residence program at Strathmore, who totally encouraged me to do it. And in May of 2014, the Jogo Project was formed, which was my band to uh, continue the legacy of Chuck Brown, but also keep the jazz elements of Go-Go strong, just as Chuck did. So when did he pass? He died in 2012. 2012, okay. And I started playing with him in 2011. Okay, so right before. So for a year. And then Jogo started in 2014, and we still perform to this day. Um, we have an EP out, a single, and we're now working on a Christmas song, a oh. holiday song. So um, next year. <laughs> right. Um, so you know, just constantly doing things with that. Um, and then also freelancing. So also 
playing with other go-go bands and then, you know, with different artists as they come through town sometimes. So do you want to tell, just in case people don't know what go-go means to do, like what that represents, maybe synthesize that a little bit for us? For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, go-go music is a style of music um, that is indigenous to Washington, D.C., started by the late, great Chuck Brown. It's kind of like a cousin of funk music, but it's got a very specific, groove it's very percussion heavy um very call and response oriented so in go-go kind of like you see this in hip-hop as well but it's much more prevalent in go-go uh there will be somebody who they call a lead talker which is basically the person that's like talking to the audience and so they'll, they'll be like tell me what you feel like doing y'all and the audience will respond feel like moving my body and then They'll say, uh, tell me how you feel this evening, y'all. Feel like moving my body. Do you feel like moving your body, y'all? Hell yeah. So like these are they're all these like call, calls and responses that yeah. people that go to go-go's just know, like right away. So when the 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 talker in a go-go band says that call, you can hear just like the whole audience sometimes respond. So it's it's a very um uh, audience and artist kind of experience. It's not just like you show up and you're eating your dinner and and watching, you know, some some guys play on stage. It's like a very uh, community oriented music. I love that. I love it. That is, yeah, I mean, it, it's and obviously you're still playing those when you can live as well. So keeping it keeping the tradition going. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. We just did a live stream last Friday um, out of a little record shop. And usually our band is a little bit bigger because of COVID. We did it as like a five piece unit um, and it was great. It's been fine. Cool. That's amazing. And so Isabel, I think she was the one that was telling me about some stuff too. So, but you, have you guys done that? To, you did that together at one point, didn't you? Right. Yeah. Isabel has filled in with the Jogo project. And then we've also done some go-go things together. Uh, she also came with me to Russia when we brought, we were the first go-go band to ever perform there. Right. So, so yeah, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm friends with Isabel, his, his girlfriend too. And she's amazing. She's in a, she has her own band called Is a Flow. And she also is in Prince George band. It's a great band as well. You should check them out. Um, but I remember when, so let's talk about Russia. So you're one of, you guys went over to Russia, represented America. America! <laughs> um, and so how did that go? Because I, and I also, let's touch about, talk about your, cause you've been representing, you've been doing some global representation in the Middle East and Russia. So please break that down for us. How's that feeling? To, like what's, What's it like over there? And, and is it different than being in America when you're doing these things? Yeah, I think a lot of musicians, uh, when they think about playing music and the prospects of becoming a musician, traveling the world is like definitely one of the things that anybody would love to do. Um, and I've been really, really fortunate Um uh, first, with the Howard University Jazz Ensemble, I went to Japan and performed in four cities over there. Um, then I did a five-week residency for jazz at Lincoln Center in Doha, Qatar, in the Middle East. Um, I've performed in the UK several times with the Blackbirds, including doing uh, their premier jazz club, Ronnie Scott's and Margate Soul Festival. But most recently gone to Russia two years in a row on behalf of the State Department. And what we do over there is it's like a cultural diplomacy tour. So we're using our music to uh, communicate with people that don't speak any English um, oftentimes and to, you know, sort of heal the heal the wounds that maybe have been created from the political uh, differences that the two countries have had. Uh, this is something that artists have been doing going back to um, the Jazz Ambassadors tours through the State Department. Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Benny Goodman, a lot of these artists did the same thing uh, like 50 and 60 years ago. So we're following in their footsteps in many ways. How does that feel? It's incredible. And when we go out there, uh, to answer your question, we're received on a level that 
I don't think any of us have experienced in, in the United States. Um, I mean, we performed at Tchaikovsky Hall in Moscow to an audience of almost 1,500 people, uh, which is basically their version of Carnegie Hall. Um, we've... And we also did smaller jazz clubs and got to know like their, you know, kind of more local scenes as well. Um, and over the two years of uh, touring in Russia, we've gone to seven different cities. And so really gotten to like experience a lot of uh, variety, even amongst that one country, because it's a huge, huge country. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that was one of the big lessons we learned is like you really can't judge an entire a group of people based on one person or based on what somebody says they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's great. What do you think was it like between the Middle East, Qatar and, you know, your Russia city experience or town experiences where, where you were, which like, what was the sort of biggest, wow, like these the cultural moments that you're like, these are amazing experiences, you know, like were there like quintessential cultural moments that you felt for sure. Um, I, I would say when we, when we were in Doha, um, that was very interesting because Qatar is a very um, strictly Muslim country and therefore um, there's not supposed to be any like, you know, drinking or anything like that. But at the same time, we're playing at a jazz club where there is drinking. So because it was inside of a hotel. Um, so it was um, an interesting kind of like conflict of of cultures. Um, but at the same time, the like most of the the local Qataris, um, they cut. You wouldn't see them at a hotel anyways. They would, you know, be in their neighborhoods or towns or whatever. But we okay. were there for something called Qatar National Day, and which is when just everybody comes out and they're they're all um, they they have like a market and a bazaar, and it was just very okay. it, it it was the the a little glimpse into Qatari culture that we didn't get otherwise the you know whole oh. month month we were there basically um yeah. and wow. we were perform we were performing six nights a week at the St Regis Hotel um sometimes two three uh four and even a couple nights out of the week five sets in a night <laughs> so it, it was Full very sets. hard yeah it was very hard work um but an incredible experience for sure Wow. I didn't even, I don't know how that's humanly possible. It must be starting at day, like midday and just keep going all through the day. Is that? Uh, it was like, let's see, we would start at like, I think 6 p.m. and then play until midnight or 1, p- 1 a.m. sometimes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like four, that's four incredible. Five minute sets. But yeah, it was yeah. a long, it was a long uh, five weeks, but it was. Yeah. An incredible experience, um, something that Jazz at Lincoln Center used to put together, but now it doesn't happen anymore. Ah, that sucks too. Yeah, it's a change. Hmm. What about Russia? Maybe the Tchaikovsky Hall thing is probably the cultural. Yeah, well, again, I mean, just the difference between each place we went to. I mean, you would go, we would go to some parts of Russia and people, you know, were my skin color. And I, I would mm. blend in, I would kind of blend in with them and then other parts and, you know, they're very white. Um, mm. And, you know, some parts that had more, they were, they were closer to like the Middle East as opposed to, the, you know, uh, the, the far further Eastern end of the country. Mm. So some parts, some countries, uh, uh, some cities rather had more of a Middle Eastern influence. Some had more of that European influence. Um, we even got to ride on kind of like an old Soviet style uh, train where we're um, bunked up together in a train for like six hours. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, some <laughs> crazy experiences. Cool. Yeah, I remember I remember when you guys were going back, I was like, that's amazing that they're going back again. It's just a huge trip. So, yeah, well, hopefully we can get you back to doing those types of things relatively soon. See how that goes. Um, One of the things I wanted to touch on before when we were talking about how your sound has has evolved over the years um, is that sense of going from the band to your solo career as well. And along the way i think you know i know you got some endorsements and things too so mm-hmm. um, yeah maybe we can could you tell us about how that how you went from the jogo project to 
your solo thing and what happened along that path? Yeah, I mean, I think most sax players go through different phases um, of developing their own tone. And that's one thing I, I try to encourage and emphasize with my students is that your tone is going to, you know, set you apart from anybody else. It's really going to mm. tell somebody mm-hmm. who you are. And it's the first thing people hear. Um, if somebody has a, doesn't have a good tone, you're probably not going to want to listen to them for very long. Um, <laughs> and... I do think um, for a long time, I kind of struggled with like knowing what my own sound is because uh, we spend a lot of musicians studying jazz, spend a lot of time imitating other musicians and studying other musicians and learning their solos and, and figuring out how to incorporate that into our playing. But then comes a time where you have to sort of decide, well, what is my thing? Um, And I'm 30 years old. 30 years old now, I definitely feel like in the last few years, um, I've been able to sort of remotely, you know, hone in on what I think, you know, my sound and my approach is. Yeah. And um, I've been fortunate to visit LA a few times now, which I, I love your city. Um, yeah. But one of the reasons I went out there was to go to Nam and kind of right. just explore. There's just a whole world of uh, modern technology. Um, and there's just all these brilliant, brilliantly designed saxophones. Um, there's new reeds. And one thing that I was in the market for was a new mouthpiece. And what I discovered was a company based out of France called SIOS, which is an acronym. It stands for Shape Your Own Sound. Oh. And so I tried the mouthpiece. (laughs) I really liked it. And then I kind of stayed in touch with them and ended up trying a few more mouthpieces. And that's exactly what uh, their company helped me do. I was able to shape my own sound. And so um, I have one of them. I have a few different ones, but this is one of them right here. As you can see... (laughs) It's kind of a quirky color, right? Yeah, like purple? Yeah, purple, lavender-ish. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's also an interesting material because it's made with a 3D printer. Oh, oh so, now you're talking my language. I love it. So all of their mouthpieces are made with 3D printing technology. And um, one of the engineers that that I work with and just talk to when I get my mouthpieces made, he's just brilliant. And they're just very detail-oriented. They're easy to work with. Oops. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I see you on the TV. <laughs> oh. TV meaning the internet. Uh, right. That's cool. that's awesome. So that one is that that's actually your is that it's made to your mouth, but is that a in like a piece? Is that so everybody gets their own? It's not yours. It's like just for you. Well, they they do make custom ones as well. So far, I've been pretty satisfied with um, a couple different signature mouthpieces that I've tried from them. <laughs> Um, but I think eventually I will, uh, I will again, continue to try to shape my own sound and figure out, um, one mouthpiece that I consider that represents my, um, personality. And I was fortunate to, uh, build a relationship with the company and I now endorse the company. So, um, so I will, you know, eventually I will be able to design my own, have my own custom mouthpiece for sure. That's great. Good. I love this. It's just, I mean, and that 3D printing, I was started the morning talking about uh, earpieces and, you know, 3D printing for that. It's just like a, it's the oh, next okay. way. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's going to, well, first of all, healthcare, there's tons of use for that, but yeah, for sure. This, this industry is going to benefit tremendously from that technology. So. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Well, I know we're almost at the end of our time, but I do want to ask you two things. So obviously you mentor and you teach. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, you sort of touched on a little bit of the advice, you know, create your own sound and, and, and develop a signature sound, which I would say is, is certainly advice for everyone to, to use it, whether you're a guitarist or, you know, Hamish has his, you know, whether you're, whatever you're doing, uh, 
have your own sound. So I think that's one piece of advice, you know, invest in you, figure mm-hmm. it out. But what do you think is like overall, what would you, if you were going to, like when you're telling your students, like how to navigate all of this, what's like the, like a, the number one sort of advice that you give anyone trying to crack into this nut <laughs> that we're yeah, in? Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that I think is unique from my position is that I'm not a, an inherent educator necessarily. I'm more so an artist that has experience performing and touring and navigating my own career. So those are the types mm-hmm. of things that I try to communicate and try to like, you know, share with my students because maybe their band teacher doesn't have that same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I mean, you know, taking business seriously is, is one thing I, I don't teach necessarily, but it's something I kind of casually mention in lessons like, oh yeah, make sure you have this together, have that together. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's just been, I've learned from so many mistakes that if I can, you know, share that mistake with, with a student and help them avoid it, then even better. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really good. There's nothing like real world learning application of knowledge, right? Yeah. We learn the hard way. (laughs) And then another thing is, is to not skip steps and to really, Mm. um, uh, you know, learn to love the process of mm. getting better because mm. it's it's rare that you practice something and are able to implement it right away. It takes time to for things to show up in your in your progress. So I always say practice makes possible. Mm, yeah, oh, I love that. That's great. It does make it possible. <laughs> Ten thousand hours makes you an expert at something. May as well do something you love. Yeah, exactly. Found that the hard way too. Um, okay, so uh, last question before I do, we do your final. Like, don't forget to listen to these things. Uh, is there a song that you're like, "Damn, I wish I wrote that." Oh, it's so good. I wish I did that one. What would it be if there was? That's, that's a tough one. I mean, um, you kind of we kind of briefly discussed my influences, but um, I've been listening to a bunch of bands lately, like. Uh, Moonchild, have you checked them out? Yeah, I like Moonchild, uh, Jacob Collier, Anderson Pack, things like that. Um, yeah. So there are a few songs. Uh, the list by Moonchild. I almost wish I wrote that. Um, really, Jacob Collier, all I need, <laughs> and then a random one. Sorry, I, I know you asked for one, but yeah, um, I'm like you're. <laughs> Um, but an old jazz song. In fact, so the Karma Suite has uh, one of the songs that's out now is called Karma. And it's a nice slow ballad. Um, mm-hmm. And that song was kind of inspired by another ballad by Horace Silver. And that song is just Hor- called, yeah, Horace Silver, who is uh, a great jazz pianist. And that song is just called Peace. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I love this. These are all great. Okay. Well, I'll definitely check them out. We're going to do a playlist um, of all of the songs that people are saying at some point oh, cool. when I come up. Yeah. <laughs> great. We have three to choose from for you, but I'm definitely going to check them out, especially the Horace Silver. I haven't even heard of him. So that's great. So, all right. Obviously now we're going to, so check out those songs. Let's see what we've got. Let's see what you're cooking with. And then um, if you haven't, which I know you, some of you have, because I'm hoping some of you actually are familiar with Elijah. Uh, but if you haven't, please listen to the Karma Suite. It's, yeah. Go to his website, find him, please find him. He's, uh, burgeoning talent in the DC area, but we we know he's coming to California at some point. I've been trying to, <laughs> trying to work that out for a while, and I, I can't, I'm not sure if that's working um, with the world around us right now. But yeah, I would I love for you you guys to come out and spend more time. So please check it out, listen to it. I know tonight's actually the perfect night. So. When I found out that he was actually going to be able to do this because uh, we wanted him on it earlier and he's just been very busy. Um, I listened this weekend. I took a bath and I listened to ev- the whole thing all the way through. And I just like, you know, and then like listen to the live stuff. And there's just so much pe- like you, you, you feel what he meant when he wrote it. But you also feel a sense of like. <sighs> Okay. All right. Okay. We got that out there and it's good. So it's perfect for you just to like relax and listen to. I absolutely can't recommend it more. 
I'm glad you mentioned that too, because, you know, when you write music with political messaging and themes, you you do risk stressing people out a little bit about it. (laughs) But I hope, I hope that, you know, there is that kind of uh, contrast, you know, the, the soothing elements of the music kind of are, are the release from Mm -hmm. the tension that we've been experiencing for especially the last four years. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's most important, I think we talked about this earlier is I don't, it's so thoughtful. It's everything about it is so thoughtfully done. And, you know, it's hard to do. I think one of the songs was like a seven minute song. It's hard to do seven minutes thoughtfully. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to do three minutes. Thought- it's hard to do a minute thoughtfully sometimes, you know? So it just felt like, it felt like a story that you were telling through song. I, I, I awesome. And again, I, I just enjoyed it tremendously. And I, some of it is, you know, I'm so used to listening to people who are really coming at things with an agenda lyrically. And so this one was one of those things that you can feel where you, where you went with it. Um, and, you know, but it wasn't like so in my face. I don't know how to explain it otherwise, but I, I did appreciate it. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to my team for helping put this together. Yeah. Uh, I, Grateful, Elijah. Thanks for spending. I know it's a tough night in DC, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to have some some good news, good or bad. It is what it is. We're going to make it through the next four years somehow. Um, and music is going to keep us all going. So so here's to you for your co- you know contributions throughout all of this. I'm so glad um, that I know you. And tell Isabel I said hello, and hopefully we can have her come on and talk about Is the Flows and Prince George one day. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks so much, and we're, we'll definitely make it out to. California as soon as it's safe to. As soon as you can, yeah. And congratulations yeah. on your win. That is a major thing. I'm so happy for you with that recognition. So Thanks well, so much. well, well. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to know you. That's just great. <laughs> Appreciate it. Love. Yeah, I yeah. hope this just this just shows that, you know, uh jazz is still alive and you know, yeah, even in, in the twenty first century, a millennial jazz musician can thrive and survive. <laughs> Yeah, well, and we've been watching, you know, obviously Kamasi Washington and mm. all the great that are starting to come around now. It's just, it's it's nice to see it. You know, Sarah Vaughn's still my favorite. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I met love her. And I, every week I listen to Live at Mr. Kelly's is my, that's oh, wow. probably why I love my music so much. It's just one of the best albums. If you haven't listened to that, you should listen to it. It's remarkable what she does. It's, mm-hmm. she gets her lyrics and you don't care. It's just like, it's yeah. just, a you can't go it's wrong with Sarah. No. Yeah. So, so yeah, congratulations on the win. Thank you for keeping on all of this. All this stuff is great. So, and for the rest of you guys out there, we'll see you next week. Thank you for voting. It's going to be okay. Shelly Pike can take some deep breaths. We're going to be okay. Ruby Vell, Jessica, we're going to be okay. And Hamish, we'll get you back soon. Don't worry. Everybody's coming back. We're going to be Okay. <laughs> And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll see you next week with CJ Ray and Nick Wendell. Have a good one. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Uncut Jewels. If you like what you heard, smash that like button and subscribe for more episodes and tell a friend. We firmly believe the world works better that way. This podcast wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for the help of the Uncut Jewels team. Johanna Schock, Jana Fisher, Coco Hong, Sarah Reynolds, Jess Kane, and Viviana Mendoza. We did this. The Uncut Jewels theme song that you're listening to right now was created by our very own guitar hero, Hamish Anderson. And we appreciate everyone who's helped bring us from where we were to where we're going. To paraphrase David Bowie, we promise it won't be boring. 